Julie, you had a question? Yeah. Uh, just a, a bit more follow-up, and you, you started to address some of the unintended consequences that we've been hearing about, but I was hoping you could address either of you specifically the financial consequences of grants that could be lost. You know, we, we hear a lot about, uh, which I think is very scary to people, about money that could be lost. I was hoping you could address specifically that. Uh, the Yes on 205 campaign unequivocally rejects the notion that passage of 205 will result in the loss of any a single dime of federal or state subsidy dollars to the city of Tucson, uh, unequivocally. There, so to answer your question, I think we have to go briefly into each of those two categories. They're slightly different. There's, uh, I think, some discussion, about, some discussion of a possible risk of the loss of federal funding and a discussion of the risk of possible state funding to city operations. First, federal funding. Um, it's no secret that the Trump administration, beginning on day one in 2017, uh, put in their sights so-called sanctuary cities, cities that they, that they defined internally as sanctuary. Those efforts, and they've been trying to strip so-called sanctuary cities of, of principally two categories of federal funding. One is called the burn grants, which go to most local police jurisdictions throughout the country uh, since the late 90s. And the other is the COPS grant, uh, COPS, which is similarly a federal grant program to local law enforcement. Um, those are the two federal grants that have ever been referenced by the Trump administration as as being at risk. So anyone, so point number one, anyone who suggests that all federal funding is at risk has not been reading the communications from the Trump administration. And um, in fact, uh, someone, anyone who would suggest that it's that there's that all federal funding is at risk is making a, I think a better argument than the Trump than the Trump White House itself. Um, as to those two narrow categories of federal grants, neither of them are truly at risk in this instance. Why? Uh, the federal government, sorry, the federal court system, excuse me, has time and time again since 2017 struck down the Trump administration's efforts uh, to pull federal fund, th those two categories of federal funding. Um, and to my knowledge, not a single dime of federal funding has <clears throat> successfully been uh, pulled from so-called sanctuary jurisdictions. In two and a half years of effort, the Trump administration has uh, singularly failed at their effort to intimidate and punish sanctuary cities with federal funding. Second, state funding. State funding is a slightly different creature. Um, and those who, those who uh, suggest that, to, that passage of 205 would result in state funding loss uh, typically point to an obscure state law that most listeners have not heard of called SB 1487. Now, 1487 is a state law that was implemented, I believe, in 2016. It's relatively new. And it allows for a mechanism by which, essentially, the state government, the Republican-led state government out of Phoenix, can bully or attempt to bully local cities and towns throughout the state and to bend them to their will using the threat of financial coercion. Um, so, for example, the, one of the more recent examples is Bisbee. Little town of Bisbee, a couple years ago, wanted to ban plastic bags from the grocery stores. The state, the state passed a law saying you can't do that, and they threatened to withdraw state funding from Bisbee. Um, the state cannot 
even under this 1487, they cannot withhold state funding unless the state authorities can point to a violation of state law. And as we pointed to earlier, uh, there is no violation of state law with 205. Um, it is consistent with SB 1070 for the reasons we discussed. Number two, um, SB 1487, this recent um, coercion law, says that it applies only to those city ordinances or city rules or city regulations that are promulgated by, quote unquote, the governing body of the city or town, unquote. Prop 205, if it passes in November, will not be an ordinance passed by a governing body. It will be an ordinance put into place by action of the voters thereby protected by the right of the, the initiative power that our citizens have reserved since 1912, when the state constitution was passed and our founders codified into the state constitution this sacrosanct power of, of citizen initiative. Do you have a response? Well, first and foremost, um, we've only spoken about um, federal dollars that currently are being utilized by Tucson Police Department. We never, never will say that all federal funds are at risk because that's just not the case. The unintended consequences of this proposal continue to manifest in the comments that are being made here this morning. That is, why do we need to enter into a new environment of litigation to prove uh, once and for all issues that have been resolved and have promulgated um, local processes under which we operate as a community. Uh, our leadership uh, has done what they can to continue to operate their community in the way they see fit, uh, regardless of the distractions that the legislature has placed on the community such as Tucson. Now, I spent a lot of time with the state legislature. My job was to actually lobby at the legislature for Tucson Electric before I retired. The fact is clear that the legislature will find a way, once we paint this target, is this proposition is approved, we'll be painting a very large target on this community for the Arizona legislature to take their shots in terms of trying to withhold resources from this community. Again, if we can avoid the, the unnecessary litigation that will result from that, well, that's a win for this community. And that's why we think that this proposal <coughs> is unnecessary, has been found that, uh, you know, as we Evolve as a community, we will continue to retain our status as a community, immigrant-friendly community that celebrates its cultural heritage, its diversity, and will continue to try to make this community as strong as it possibly can, both socially and culturally and economically. Distractions such as this keep us from achieving those goals. And so again, we find this to be an unnecessary effort that has consequences that we don't think this community needs to have to deal with. So I have a question about the the overall arching goal of this. Is this 
Is this a situation where everyone agrees on the goal of families um, of all kinds needing to be safe and secure in the community and that we differ on that you differ on how to do it or does the no on 205 do you have a, a different do you not agree with with I guess the goal that they are putting forward we applaud any effort to promote this community as an immigrant friendly welcoming community we don't we don't quibble with that it's how you do that that matters um, comment was made earlier that uh, federal funds have not been withheld from cities that have similar approaches. Well, the facts don't support that. Uh, local jurisdictions have fought the federal administration, have, have gained uh, at the lower courts uh, victories to retain their federal dollars, but at the appellate level have lost. So currently, uh, we don't see that as a pathway that is of any benefit to this community. To have to challenge these things in the federal courts is a total waste of money. We need to focus our resources, as limited as they are, on dealing with the issues and challenges that we have in this community. I think we have potentially great leaders that are about to be elected that have a great vision to continue the growth of this community in that direction. Um. Edward, do you have a question? Yeah. So the Center for Immigration Studies, which is a pretty conservative think tank, their policy director has actually called this proposal sanctuary light, noting that the Pima County Sheriff's Department is still the one that is uh, the subject of detainers for immigration authorities, and they're still doing that. With that being, with that being the case, and with so few cases kind of going before actually being uh, detained, why, what, what, what ultimately then is, is the goal of the no campaign? Is it to save the city money or is it to protect voters from kind of the unintended consequences that have been brought up here? I'm kind of getting to what, what's the main thrust here? Is it to save money or is it to, to help voters kind of, I guess, avoid these unintended consequences. Well, I think you've answered your question. It's still, I'm sorry. It really, it, it's to avoid unintended consequences that are, we think, unnecessary. Um, we think that the erosion of security in our community is a, is a real issue. That this community does not want to take two steps back in the way it's uh, community policing operates. And, uh, Frankly, we don't want to take the risk of having to um, defend our actions uh, with the uh, legislature or with the feds um, that will cost us resources that don't need to be applied here. They need to be applied towards uh, what is right and good for our community. Yeah, go ahead. The, um, the opposition campaign at times has said, uh, well, we're here because, you know, there's a great likelihood we're going to, the city's going to lose state funding or federal funding. And then when that argument sort of erodes, as it seems to have in the last few minutes, then the default position of the opposition uh, is, 
well, we want to save the city from the cost of litigation because even if it's not manifestly illegal, it's it's sort of towing the line close enough that it will inevitably trigger litigation, thereby costing the city uh, lots of money in legal defense. And I would point out to listeners, the city is seven, eight, nine thousand full-time employees. It's a large entity. It's a large organization. It has a full-time in-house legal counsel. 4,000? So I might be off on my numbers, but several thousand employee entity with a fully staffed in-house legal counsel office. And if they're, the city is presented with lawsuits every day for all manner of routine things. If the city leadership uh, wanted to avoid the risk of litigation, it wouldn't conduct hardly any activities. It wouldn't send its uh, fire trucks out on the streets. It wouldn't send its it wouldn't equip its officers with guns for fear that there might be uh, an accidental shooting shooting that would result in litigation. It wouldn't send its fire trucks out on the street for fear that the fire truck might get in an, an accident triggering litigation. Uh, we, the voters ought not to make their decision on a yes or no vote based on some ephemeral, ethereal, abstract risk of possible litigation. Joe, you have a question. I did. I wanted to follow up. You mentioned a couple of things that I'm finding interesting. I haven't heard about federal appellate court rulings uh, against sanctuary cities. Can you cite specific examples? Look at L.A. and San Francisco's cases. Okay. And then when you talked about the $11 million figure earlier, is that just the burn and the cops grants, or is there something else that you wanted to add to that? My understanding, those are, the, those are the two grants in question. So... One of the, it seems from our discussion that we're talking about, will the, if it passes, whether, will it end up in court? Is that a good or a bad thing? Will that cost money? Um, is this something with the, the changes to general orders? If that were to happen and if this was all something that, that different sides could get behind to incorporate some of what is in your uh, the initiative, like hospitals, um, medical centers, uh, schools, you know, not being, keeping those sort of safe zones. Is that, why is that not enough? Why, why if you're able to work together, make more changes to the general orders in conjunction with police and city council, why wouldn't that be enough? That's a really good question. Um, after the Trump administration came into office, um, the migrant community, as I'm sure everyone at this table understands, um, went into another deep distress, fear, a lot of fear, a lot. I, I had friends who were DACA and DACA was rescinded who, who were suicidal. I myself remember thinking, why do they hate us so much? My brother who'd been deported, um, all he ever wanted to do was come back. Um, we started seeing family separation Children started dying. We were gassing refugees. We're now detaining immigrants indefinitely 
indefinitely. I have children. I have friends who work for Florence Project who have tiny, tiny little children representing themselves or at the shelters, little tiny children like my child who wanted nothing but a hug. And the one rule in those shelters for children is no touching. Brothers and sisters could not even touch them, could not even hold themselves. We were, ta we're talking about atrocities and a federal immigration system at this moment that's really pulling the veil off of what is to be expected with the massive expected mobilization out of Central America and the destabilization of really the world because of climate chaos, economic, and, and, and the like. We're talking about a, a brand new future that we are all trying to prepare for. We're talking about the fact that four hours from here in El Paso, just a few months ago, a white supremacist who quoted Donald Trump went into a Walmart, drove hours, looked for enough people that looked like us, brown, Mexican people in a Walmart, and when he found enough, he went back out to his car, came out with a machine gun, and killed 26 of us. And to this day, El Paso officials would tell you that they still don't have a count on actually how many people were actually hurt because undocumented people were too afraid to speak to the police or to seek treatment. Well, we have continued to say with this initiative, um, Lucero earlier said, why? Because the time has come and passed since immigrant-friendly general orders was enough. Because for years, us here at the table have asked city council to sit down with us and have demanded sanctuary city protections, <laughs> and they have not once agreed to sit down with us and talk. This isn't us versus them, too. I want the listener should understand. This is a grassroots movement. We gathered 18,000 signatures with almost no money. The, the attending uh, city attorney said that he'd never seen a cleaner petition in his 30 years. And it was all out of heart and people like me. I'm a college dropout. I grew up right around the corner from here. I study neuroscience. I'm a single mom. I don't have any extra, uh, uh, you know, um, extra uh, legal bones in my body, except that I did research and that we followed the rules and that we brought an idea to the community and that the community is overwhelmingly supportive. This isn't us saying us versus the electeds. I agree, we, we've got two, especially two women going into office that I believe are gonna do a fantastic job. But that does not mean that the community cannot itself organize itself and pass policies that we think are needed. Okay, thank you. Uh, yes, I'd like to give you the opportunity to respond. Thank you. Um, as Larry mentioned a few minutes ago, we do applaud everyone who is working tirelessly for a better Tucson. The issue here is not that we want a better Tucson and they don't or vice versa. The issue is we have a different viewpoint. However, I do want to address some of the comments just made by, by Saida. I too come from an immigrant community. My parents were illegal immigrants as well in the United States. I still speak Spanish at home to my wife and my kids. That's all we speak. I also have family members here who are illegal. I also have family members here, including my father, who was several times caught by the Border Patrol in the 50s and 60s when he was coming across the border for immigration. 
I am unaware of these atrocities that we're talking about, Saida. I truly am. I, I have family members here who are Mexican who have crossed the desert to get here. I am completely unaware of these atrocities. Either I'm living in a bubble, which I know I'm not, or things are being exaggerated for the purpose of romanticizing a story. Okay. I would like to stick to the facts Just of what a, a this quick is happening clarification. here. Um, you were speaking, Sarah, nationally, right? Correct. Not, not in Tucson. So I want to just make sure we're on the same page. About I am on the same page. Okay. I am on the same page with the current administration and with previous administrations. I don't believe there's been any administration who has an evil thought or an evil desire against any group in recent American history. They might have different viewpoints, but this about caging the kids and not letting them touch each other, that's too much romanticism. That's not true. We saw pictures on the press about these things happening in other administrations as well. I want to focus on facts of what we're talking about here. Again, I too come from this background, but I want to focus on this proposition and stay away from things that will take us weeks to discuss. I do applaud your intention for a better Tucson. I support that 100%. I think we have to come to a conclusion. What is the best way to go about? I think I may also be living in the same bubble as you because I also grew up in an immigrant community. I'm originally from Douglas, Arizona. I lived there until I was 12 years old. I'm a first-generation American. You can and, hold the mic. Okay. Um, I'm a first-generation American, and um, the, the interesting thing, uh, the, the underlying theme that I'm noticing right now is um, trust in our institutions, which is why we keep going back to the fact that all of our elected officials are against 205. Um, we trust the people who we voted to run our institutions. Um, but uh, something that I find um, interesting is that this keeps going back and forth about immigration. And for whatever reason, I, I just don't think about this at all uh, regarding immigration. It's, it, it, to say that this problem is about immigration is to assume that only immigrants are criminals or that all criminals are immigrants. And that, it's, that is simply not true. Um, if we were to look at the case of Isabel Solis, um, that case was only able to be solved with federal aid. And we know that if this were to pass, we would lose that type of federal aid, anything related to access to fingerprinting and technology that our local law enforcement doesn't have. So uh, I just think it's interesting. Um, we, we definitely see things differently, um, uh, both sides and even within our own groups. But um, this isn't solely focused on just immigration. The impact that this could have will be related to many potential problems that are not at all immigration related. Um, I think a lot of the immigrate, uh, a lot of the immigration problems that we're seeing now, they have to be solved in a different manner. Um, definitely at a federal level, we know that there are lots of problems with the immigration system in this country and uh, and throughout the world. But um, I think we're definitely veering off by, um, as you mentioned, romanticizing a lot of this. Um, I, as a kid, I grew up and I would you know play near the areas in Douglas where the steel was was uh, stacked up, and that was the steel that was being used to build the border wall. And I would play with my friends, and Border Patrol would go and check up on us and never asked about our immigration status. They literally would ask if we needed water. And they would go and find us and give us Powerades and Gatorades and stuff. But uh, I, I grew up in an immigrant community, and I, even though I was born in this country, I've always seen myself as an immigrant, as, as a first-generation American. And uh, I think there's just a lot of different conversations that, that have to happen, but they aren't necessarily addressed by Prop 205. 
All right, so we are at a little past our hour. Um, so I want to thank you for a very interesting and compelling conversation and give uh, each side uh, two minutes to go ahead and make kind of a, a wrap up closing statement. And um, uh, no on 205, why don't you go first? And we'll let the um, pro people have the, the last word. Well, thank you for the opportunity to uh, become informed on the issues of this proposition. The proposition, as we find uh, from our perspective and the reason we're opposed, we feel is unnecessary and has unintended consequences. We are not deviating from the core message. The core message is uh, this proposition will greatly decrease public safety, uh, impacting uh, the possibility of federal grants that we currently rely on to conduct narcotics investigations that support our Spanish-speaking detectives for sexual assault and domestic violence cases, investigations, traffic safety enforcement, records management, which is a key aspect of how we solve cases these days, crime lab positions and equipment vital to offender prosecution, auto theft investigations, overtime pay for those special officers that have been funded by these special resources from the feds, those are all at risk. On top of that is the loss of the ability to work with those federal agencies in the collaborative nature that we currently enjoy. The necessity of having, and the facts bear it out, the requirement of signing an MOA prior to cooperation or joint operations is going to be an issue the feds are not going to agree with. We already have that from officials in, uh, in our conversations from the federal side of this conversation. On top of that, we have not wavered from the position that we risk the city's fair share of state shared revenue. The state legislature needs very little excuse to take uh, its aim on communities such as was noted earlier, Bisbee and City of Tucson has already had a couple of occasions where our gun buyback program as well as our ability to hold elections where we wanted to hold elections have been thwarted. So to say that they are not looking at us uh, with an opportunity to do mischief is uh, you, you're being unrealistic. That, that's the nature of the beast that we have in our legislature. And until um, the state as a whole changes its demography and becomes more balanced in terms of the elected officials, that condition won't change. Finally, uh, we all got involved because our leadership asked for help. Our leadership is unified in its opposition to this. The mayor and council and all the candidates that are running for mayor are all opposed to this proposition. So we respect their leadership on this issue and are trying to help in terms of positioning Tucson to continue to be the immigrant-friendly community it is and continue to prosper uh, with the bright future that we have with the change coming about uh, with the new council. So we're very excited about that. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much. And that went uh, about a minute long, so you'll have the same amount of time. Okay, uh, so I, I first wanted to just clarify that um, no one is illegal. I use the term undocumented. 
Um, no one, my personally, would never romanticize this. These are facts that you can look at that have been thoroughly reported on, uh, clearly. I, my brother was actually murdered back home once he was deported. So this is the farthest thing from something that's romantic to myself or my family or my undocumented community. Secondly, I think in these conversations, the opposition has absolutely failed to provide proof or fact. There have been no official statements from any federal agency that has said that they will not sign this. We have already argued against the fact that that the, the state legislature can just wave a wand and take away our shared revenue, which they cannot. This is a constitutionally protected right to direct democracy. And when you look at the historic uh, relevance of that, that means Prop 206, the minimum wage that I also worked on in 2016, which we had the same arguments that the sky was going to fall from. The sky was going to come tumbling down and it was going to hurt the worst, the most directly impacted. We have been sued to and from back and forth. Also, the minimum wage of uh, Flagstaff has held up the challenge. Why? Because these hyper preemption bills and the state legislature cannot infringe upon constitutional rights that are protected. They would need to amend the Constitution. We are absolutely confident. And the facts show that not a penny has been withheld from LA or from San Francisco, as was earlier noted. Um, again, this is a campaign of creation. We want to give our community hope. We want to build a Tucson of the future that's protected against the worst. Uh, no one here is um, um, romanticizing anything. The facts are the facts, and the facts are there when you look at SB 1070 and what that did to our community. This is a very sensible, common sense bill that only puts into place protections for the initial investigation of a crime or when police officers come into contact with, with our community. The facts show that it actually decreases crime, provides added safety, and makes for better and safer communities. The facts are there. Um, so we would uh, welcome um, Tucson voters to really read our initiative and do the research and not be uh, compelled by politics of fear and inertia and us versus them. This is a Tucson that's all together and we all want the same thing. We want a better Tucson for the future and for all of us. Great. Thank you so much for your time and your discussion and and I really appreciate it and I know the voters will too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.